Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek and the original Chris Diamond. Hi there. <laughs> the real, the real Chris Diamond. The real Chris Diamond. <laughs> He's the Other real Chris, Chris Diamond. Diamonds are available. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you all Google that. Um, we are, we're joined by uh, Tim Brazier. Uh, who is a uh, head service, head of service design? Yep, at Good Things Foundation. The job title, and um, and also the founder of Sheffield Design School, which is a new project that he's here to talk about today. So, welcome, Tim. Thank you. And um, of course, later we have uh, a load of uh, updates and uh, interesting things to tell you about that have been happening um, in Sheffield. But um, yeah, we'll crack on with you, Tim, for now. If that's all right. Of course. Um, for the people who don't know who you are, you've been around the block a bit, haven't you, the last 10 or 15 a years? A little bit, yes. yes. But, uh, so if you give us a, a little potted history. Okay, so um, I'm pretty sure Chris is actually the one to blame for me. <laughs> um, so uh, it's going, it's 2007 I joined Technophobia. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hired you, didn't I? I you did, you. yeah. Give your first pro interview. You did. That was it. <laughs> that was where it all began. Um, so, yeah, I joined the team at Technophobia 2007. Um Doing what? It was, I think their job title was account exec, which was kind of the junior position within kind of customer services or client services, as it was called then, yeah. um, with two kind of routes. One was project management, one was account management. Um, and I'd kind of, I'd finished uni, done kind of software engineering, kind of realized through that, that that was definitely not the route for me. Um, I kind of enjoyed it, kind of understood the principles behind it, but just the practical application just wasn't really where... Um, I knew I was going. So project management within the kind of field of software development was definitely something that I'd kind of seen and been exposed to and thought that that's where I wanted to go. So that was kind of the the reasoning behind it. Um, I was very fortunate to work in a team with Chris and a number of other incredible people at Technophobia um, and kind of progressed there. So I spent just over six years, I think it was, at Technophobia. Um, Moved up to being a a fully-fledged project manager. You made um, senior, I think, didn't you? No, never, you know? never quite made senior. Yeah, controversial, Chris. <laughs> um, uh, and then um, I got to a point, really, actually, where that was kind of one of the things—not the main reason why I, I kind of moved on—but one of the points where I was thinking, actually, what is it? What I want to do next? Um, and realised that I, I thought I was a good project manager. Then realised maybe I'm just a good technophobia project manager, and kind of. Have I actually tested that elsewhere? So mm. my decision to move on there was was mainly about going out and getting exposure and kind of testing myself. So the next few years after that were were quite interesting, or the next 12 months after that was interesting, 2013. So I went and um, I started up with a uh, an agency in Leeds called Brass um, as a technical project manager there. Um, it was very heavily kind of ad agency still. So they were trying to move to be much more digital, um, but wasn't quite, there um really great team and everything like that but then got an opportunity to um go and join a, a startup in london called bright north um and that was an opportunity that i thought why not kind of wasn't perfect where i was in leeds um again another opportunity to six months down there kind of commuting and spending three days in london um two at home um and then after that I just realized that wasn't really working for me came back to sheffield um and Luckily, at that time, I came back to Sheffield without a, a, a kind of role and thought I'd go kind of a bit freelance um, and set up a load of work, about three months worth of work for myself, and then met Andy Mayer of you me, went for a coffee with him. Co-director um, Andy Mayer. Yes, co-director of Sheffield Digital. Um, and that kind of, that was a big point that kind of changed my career path, actually. So I went and joined you me on a six-month kind of contract, um, which soon turned into a much longer term. Um, role and then I was there for three years and that's where I changed from kind of project management being a, a main part of my role to um, uh, being much more around kind of service design and, and kind of taking that forward um, and then moved from there did a couple of months at tech department um, just down the road um, and then got the opportunity to join the team at Good Things Foundation um, in a kind of senior service designer role which was kind of the first time where I'd was going to move from kind of a dual role into really focusing on service design and uh, an incredible opportunity. Um, so I've been there coming up two years um, now and just been unbelievable kind of opportunity and, and kind of exposure. And, and that's, that is genuinely, you me was a big pivot point for me um, and the exposure to not only kind of the design approach, but the kind of third sector, voluntary sector kind of 
um, world as well. So yeah, being able to work within a charity now as well at, at Good Things is, is is incredible and kind of real honour actually. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at now. Um, and uh, it was a it was a, a new team. Is that right? Because service de- you say that you just moved into service design, but was the service design even a thing? Um, I was. It was it was pretty new for for Good Things Foundation actually. Um, so they had a bit of a restructure um, just before I joined, which opened up the position and the team. Um, it was B. Carol Burks actually who um, now runs the North Studio for um, Future Club in Sheffield actually. Uh, so she was uh, she hired me at Good Things Foundation, um, and she'd worked with Helen Milner, who I know has been on the podcast. Um, um, to think about actually bringing design and a design approach and service design approach into the organisation, um, which was obviously a great opportunity for me to go there and kind of be the first one who'd got some experience of that to bring it into the organisation and, and kind of really run from there. And that's moved, lucky enough to be able to move into a, um, so I'm not head of service design, but that was more for me. Um, the great thing about that is that they recognise the value of service design to bring it into kind of the leadership team and make sure that it was kind of not just a siloed team of kind of specialists, that it was just kind of doing a bit of service design here and there, but it was brought as a real core part of the, the organisation and the way we work. So It's it's probably worth you just, if, if you uh, if you could, giving us a quick um, this is definition of what, ser- what service design is. Ask, yeah. But I think it's worth, um, it's, I mean, there will be lots of people that work in the digital industry that do know, but mm-hmm. it's a fairly new role. And I'm, because I'm, I'm a content person, there are lots of new content job titles that have appeared in the last few years as well. Yeah. I think it's important for people to know First of all, I think it's really interesting to hear your background because of the way that you've moved and changed the roles and cho- the roles have appeared out of nowhere yeah, in yeah. terms of like, yeah. this is a new thing that people do and you've been able to move. I think sometimes, especially if you're um, just starting out or if you're even at university or at college or something like that, it's really hard to know what 10 years time might look like or, or, or any kind of route that you might take as a career. And yeah. I could I would never have predicted what I've done. I wouldn't have had a clue. So to hear somebody actually talk through that process yeah i think is actually worth doing anyway what service design <laughs> yeah thanks Ian. um so for me again one of the big things at, at good things foundation i say that it was kind of new to the organization and um, when i went in there there was a real fear of service design so b had done an incredible job of kind of getting the organization to buy into it but the rest of the the teams within there and the people that had already been working there were had been told about service design coming into the organization and it's going to be a new way of working and all that sort of stuff so when i arrive and i sit down in front of people and they look at me and go so what is it that we're doing what have we got to do and i'm going this is definitely not as scary as it should be fit for you so um the first thing i did was actually talk to the organization just into the teams and just say it's not new service design is not new in terms of what it is and practical application of it. The um, the digital industry and kind of GDS government digital service has kind of really um, kind of coined the the role and, and kind of put it mainstream really over the last so kind of few years. And digital transformation has kind of really um, brought it to the fore as a, as a specific role. But um, the way I see service design is it's um, it is core. And part of where I've got to with Sheffield Design School and how I got there is kind of almost reverse engineering it. So what is service design? It's kind of taking a um, a design approach to thinking about services. So not just products, but actually the whole experience, um, the kind of end-to-end service a lot of people call call it. Um, and then what is design thinking? Well, essentially, it's just problem solving and, and kind of creative problem solving and going, instead of going from, we've got a problem, straight to a solution or the first solution, it's actually giving the time and the space to understand that problem, define what it is that you actually need to do and go into a, it's, it's quite loosely coupled and, and or quite closely coupled, sorry, with with things like uh, agile and, and lean startup approach. It's about giving it the time and giving it the opportunity to go, right, we've got a problem here. Let's go out. First of all, let's go and understand it a little bit. Let's take it on to the next step and go, right, we've understood a little bit more. And actually the problem we thought it was is actually slightly different or there's a root uh, a problem closer to the root cause of this that we need to focus on first. Let's come up with some ideas. Let's prototype, let's test them, let's learn more and kind of iterate on that and kind of go through. So I think service design as a role is probably more the um, intentional application of that design thinking process to things. So uh, like I say, good, thing, good Things Foundation would not 
have existed if they weren't doing services. Mm-hmm. They offer services, they provide services, and they think about why they're doing it, who they're doing it for, and they make sure that they're fit for purpose. And essentially that's, for me, that is at its core all it's doing, but the role and the ability to to call it that and make sure that it's it's in there and intentional is, is something that I think is what the last few years of, of seen service design kind of really come to the fore. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you've got into it from a kind of project management, product management mm-hmm. size, because yeah. a lot of the time it, it, people transition into it through from UX, yeah, um, yeah. user experience design. Um, and it's basically, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's like addressing the faster horses problem. If you just go to users and ask them what they want, you know, mm-hmm. as Henry Ford never said, you know, they'll ask for, for faster horses yeah. instead of the motor car. Um, and service design is a way of going deeper than that and understanding yeah. what the underlying needs and 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 um, and challenges are, mm-hmm. and then collaboratively working to address those in a design practice. Yeah. So I guess service yeah. design is now a, a practice. It's a it's a, a, a whole tool set of yeah. ways of doing things. Yeah. And I think um, the, the role specifically, actually, the more and more you see it, it's a facilitator role hmm. as much as anything. It's about recognising the, the the strengths and the experience and the knowledge that's already out there, bringing that together and facilitating that through. And I I joke sometimes and talk about it, the, the joy of being a service designer is I never have to be right. I never have to know the answer. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just the one that enjoys the problem, enjoys mm-hmm. the process of getting from a problem to a solution and, and kind of facilitating that process. What kind of impact do you think introducing those practices has had on good things? Um, how embedded is it now? How is it? How did you overcome that fear? Um, it was more kind of, the first thing was to recognise that this is not something new to them and that there was value in what they were already doing and the way that they were working and actually they were probably a lot further ahead in that kind of field than they ever imagined. They just weren't calling it that. Mm-hmm. It's just not the the title that they were they were using for it. Um, and then it was just a case of showing kind of thing and, and kind of showing before telling, if that makes sense. So going, running, even just in terms of the way that we... Um, we approach running workshops. So workshops were a com- in common place around Good Things mm-hmm. Foundation, bringing people together, kind of co-design and, and co-production kind of techniques. Um, so running those sessions, but actually going, instead of trying to answer the whole thing in that one session, let's try and understand what we're trying to do here within this session. What we want to do is bring people together and facilitate them kind of being able to um, understand it themselves and understand the problem and unpick it and kind of, get that base first and then take them on a journey as we go through so that they can kind of not just be part of the process or be have the process imposed on them, but actually own that process as well and kind of and get that. So it's, it was quite a quick transition actually and quite a, a seamless one where people have, have just started to do this. And the, the beauty for me is I'm, I now see across the organisation this happening where I've been nowhere near it. Do you know what I mean? And that's been mm-hmm. incredible. And that's not just just myself. I've got a, there's a team, there's four of us that are in the, the service design team at Good Things Foundation. Um, and we're part of a research and design team. So, and then we're part of the Good Things Foundation team. Do you know what I mean? So it's not about having um, a, and one of the things that I wanted to do when I moved into the head role was recognize that this wasn't about building a, bigger, larger, specific siloed team of expert service designers. Mm-hmm. It was about having that at the core, but making sure that that was something that was owned and, and done across the whole organisation. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it's, had, it's had an impact more in that, and something that I talk about when I talk about design school, it's, it's kind of a, the mindset now is is different for people. Mm-hmm. They are much more comfortable with uncertainty mm-hmm. at the beginning of knowing that there's a way to get to certainty or a lot closer to certainty. Um, there's a real curiosity across the teams as well to go, actually, we've got a problem, but before we jump in, let's go and spend some time, let's go and talk to people, let's go and understand it a bit more. So I think that's the... Trust the process. Yeah, and almost, um, I don't think that is, again, I don't think that was particularly new to people. I think it's more about providing the, the permission people feeling that they've got permission to do that and that there is genuine value in that and it is valued by the organisation and like our funders mm-hmm. in, in, and things like that, that it's not just us being kind of very, um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of, but we, we're not doing it for the sake you of it just because, yeah, it's not, we're not doing it because it's trendy or anything yeah. like that. We're generally, and we don't, we, we try and, change the language a lot as well. And we don't talk about services and that much. We don't talk, I mean, in bids and things like that for funding. You kind of have to because they're expecting those words to be used. But when we're talking to the actual people we're, we're, 
taking on the process. We're just talking to people. And actually what we're doing more is we're listening to people and we're providing that environment and that um, comfort and confidence that we are listening and they are actually having a, an input and, and we're doing something with that. So um, I think a lot of it is about providing and creating the right conditions for people to feel that they're, they're able to shape things and, and mm-hmm. kind of find the right solutions, not just a solution. Mm. So you know, the, you've introduced this into Good Things Foundation mm. and it sounds like that process is, you know, I wouldn't say complete because it's always an ongoing no, no, process. Yeah, yeah. You're always learning mm. and, and there's always new people and mm. new ways of doing things, but it's um, it's established. Yeah, um, so I'd now, say so, yeah. So the design school is, you know, talk about that and, and how that idea came about and whether that's an extension of the work that you've already done. I think... Um, it definitely is. I think it was a the when the idea kind of came to me. I feel like when I look back, there was a, a number of things that led me to the idea. So it wasn't just one of those kind of eureka moments and go, oh, this has come out of nowhere. If I think about it, there was a lot of reasons. So for me, thinking about, I've just explained where I came from. Like I didn't know that this was a thing. I would never describe myself as a designer. I remember being at Technophobia and looking at the design team there and going, oh my god, I wish I could go back and and start school again and and just be a designer because it was just a world that I wanted to be in and be part of, but it felt so impenetrable for someone that had got so far. I'd got a mortgage, I think was probably the the main thing that I looked at and just go, well, I can't, can't go back and go back to school because I've already taken that step. So I felt like I was very much on a, on a fixed kind of journey at that point. Um, what's, what's helped me. And obviously I, I, I have been very lucky along the way. I've met some incredible people. Like I say, the, the turning point when I met Andy at Yumi and the way that he was approaching things um, was really great. So what I see, Chef, the reason why Sheffield Design School is a thing for me is because I want to make this more accessible to people. I want people to realise that they, it's, it's, they're probably already doing it. Do you know what I mean? It's probably There is a, a creativity, there is a, a, um, a mindset of people that want to do this but don't see it being valued. They might see the value in it themselves, but they don't see it being valued by, by other people or they're, they're not a designer, so they shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. And it's, it should only be the designers that are, are kind of picking this up. Um, so the Sheffield Design School idea has really come from that and gone, how can I support and coach and, and I don't think empower is the right word, but kind of help people recognise that there is value and feel like there is valued, that kind of design thinking approach. Um, that they can apply to the the roles that they're in already. So this isn't about teaching loads of people to be designers and go and get loads of design roles and, and just kind of create another industry about around design. But actually, let's just make this common a common approach. Let's just embed this into everything everyone does, and it can be applied by anyone. Um, and the the Sheffield Design School idea is oh that's a really good idea. We could that's kind of a business. And the original idea was it this would be a business. But the other thing that I thought is, how has this changed me as a person? How have I been able to apply this kind of, this way of thinking, this kind of, um, what they'd call a kind of growth mindset to my life? And I feel like it has changed me. It has made me a bit more curious, a bit more kind of able to um, deal with that uncertainty, which I definitely, when I was younger, definitely couldn't. Do you know what I mean? I was very kind of... um, quite a nervous person, quite, um, if there was a lot of uncertainty, I wouldn't do things. And I do feel that this kind of approach and this ability to deal with uncertainty has helped me as a person. So the two sides of, of Sheffield Design School or the original idea was if I could go and help people within, whether they're individuals, whether they're teams, whether they're organizations to kind of understand and, and embed and, and use the design thinking approach within their work, that's a business that can make some money, right? But also one of the things I was really interested in is going, how could I then use that to um, work with people that would never even think of design or it wouldn't even be part of their journey or they won't be exposed to this sort of stuff in a way where you're not talking about it as design. So um, a couple of the really early ideas were um, really inspired by other things that have happened. So um, thinking about uh, Just Works, you know, the kind of social enterprise kind of, arm at the Archer project where they're mm. they've got small businesses there so printed by us being one of them um where they're using um a business and a creative business to help people kind of get back on their feet and kind of reintegrate and and learn kind of how to how to work how to kind of organize their lives how to kind of be responsible around kind of a, a job that they need to do so for me is there an opportunity there to help people that are 
kind of, again, language is quite tricky around here, but people that are maybe in recovery or, or, or vulnerable or have, uh, have had a history of kind of taking that first, doing that kind of jumping straight to an answer and kind of are in that cycle where they're not able to solve the problems that they face in any other way than they've always known. Do you know what I mean? That kind of first answer. So that creative design thinking approach, I think can apply to, to kind of life and kind of go, actually, there's a problem here, but actually it's fine to think about it first. It's fine to really understand what the problem is and what the next step should be and, and be curious about different ways and try something. If it doesn't work, that's fine. Try something else. At least you know it doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's not really kind of that tangible in terms of going, this is exactly what Sheffield Design School, but this is an idea and something that I've been um, kind of experimenting with and exploring for the last kind of four or five months, actually. So, um, mm. yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. It's, it's interesting. But um, so where I've got to with it is um, I think I was really, the original idea was that this was a business. Mm. Okay. Um, and that you would deliver value to businesses that would yes. pay to send their teams and people yeah. to it. Yeah. It's continual professional development, yeah, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. But All across industries, stuff. because service design or yeah, design yeah. thinking applied in this way yeah. applies universally, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then that would, I would be able to invest into yeah, um, in other the people, corp- into yeah. community, into Sheffield, into wider than Sheffield, whatever that be. Mm-hmm. Um but I think what I've, what I've got to at the moment is actually, I think those two can be separate. Okay. I think the motivations behind me wanting to do those two things are different, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think coupling them is, means that the design school side of it probably wouldn't happen or would struggle to, to really take off. So um, I think the motivation around the business side of things was a good one, but it's probably about me personally, about what my future is as a, as a career and, and kind of paying my bills sort mm-hmm. of thing doing something that I love and being kind of paid for it. But I've actually got that Good Things Foundation. Do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. I've, and through this, I've had other opportunities to, to kind of do this with other organisations. Um, so now where I see the Sheffield Design School side of it being is actually, this can happen without that. How can we actually use Sheffield Design School, even if it's just a name or a brand, to bring people together within Sheffield from different kind of, especially from the digital kind of industry where there are, loads of people in the digital industry that have got this mindset that are mm. working in this way in various different roles. How can we give them a platform to kind of try and apply that to probably to, to problem solving outside of the workplace to, to problems that matter to them and that matter to other people and, and can really kind of help Sheffield in the first instance kind of approach its problems in the, in the right way. And, and yeah. So when I talk about approaching problems, there's, there are so many in society, right? Mm. And the traditional way is going, well, the public services need to be solving all these problems, the local authority and stuff like that. And so much has been putting out into communities now and expected of kind of community organisations and voluntary sector and all that sort of stuff. But how can we as a professional sector and a, a private sector support them in doing that? Do you know what I mean? So I think there's a, an opportunity there as well to kind of pool our collective experience and knowledge and approaches and, and kind of really help people solve those problems. So if people are interested in doing that, in sort of coming together in some kind of way mm-hmm. where they're sharing how they work and the knowledge that they have mm-hmm. and then using, so learning from each other and then using that to go out and work in the community, yeah. how how might they go ahead? Would they get in touch with you? Are you thinking about setting up a meetup or so what kind the, of thing? So I think this year and the kind of launch of it is going to be um, a number of events to really bring people together. So I think the, the, this isn't just going to happen mm. just by talking about it and going, wouldn't it be great if this happened? So I think what the first thing is about creating some structure around that. So um, I'm going to be planning a number of events to bring people who are interested together. Um, the first one isn't a Sheffield Design School thing, but the um, Global Service Jam. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's been going for a number of years. So Sheffield's never had one. Um, so I'm going to be running that at the end of um, March, the last weekend in March it is, um, over a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is about a service design learning experience. So this isn't about bringing experts together and, and kind of solving a specific problem. It's about bringing people together to learn about service design and what it is. So that's going to be the first event that I'm kind of running. Then I'm going to be putting on some other events like boot camps and kind of one day things and, and week long things where we can actually bring people together and structure a bit of learning around that sort of stuff. But what I want to do there is actually open that up, not just to 
um, people that see themselves as design being something that they want to do in the future, but people within the community and community organisations, bring them together. That they might have the experience of the problems, not just the way to get a solution. Do you know what I mean? And kind of start to explore and, and kind of understand how that dynamic works mm. um, to then understand how we can kind of um, to make that happen. So I don't see Sheffield Design School as always being me and running through me and having to do that, but it's a, a way of kind of um, kind of igniting that, do you know what I mean? And going, how can we go and understand if this is something that we can actually do? Um, so tell me a bit more about the sorts of things that go on at a global service jam. Interesting. So global service jam, so a problem is set um, and I've not been to one yet, but I've been through the, the the training, if you like, and spoke to a number of people. So the problem is set and it's a very abstract problem. So it can be interpreted in a number of ways. Um, and what you do is you get some facilitators together, of which I will be one, in a location. The uh, problem is revealed um, and then we it's kind of quite open. So you have some facilitators there that can kind of expose people to how they might go about thinking about this. Um, usually create small teams and they go away and they do some work and they have facilitators available to help them think in that kind of design thinking way and, and then kind of come back and present present back at the end of the weekend how far they've gone. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that they they um, you have a, a host location, um, but you're encouraging people to get out of that host location. Do you know what I mean? Go out and do some of that discovery kind of work. Go and have those, learn some of those techniques that it's not about you need to know the answer, but the first thing you need to do is go out and kind of expose yourself to the problem or, or where the problem might be and go and observe and talk to people and listen to them and kind of bring that back. And then, so it's a very rapid kind of learning process mm. where people can get exposed to that. And um, so what I've spoken to them about is kind of what next? Do you know what I mean? What is, how do we make it more meaningful? So um, we've been talking to a few people as well about doing something similar, but on a more regular basis. So a bit like a meetup. Yeah. But how can we make it something that is um, a bit more meaningful? I don't want to say meetups aren't meaningful, but how can, there's a there's often where you bring people together and you go, this is a problem. How can we solve this? And you spend a really concentrated time about it and you get to a point and then you go, right, we're done. We've all had a great time. This is great look what could happen but, mm. but then no it kind of on. disperses yeah and there's mm. no following so how could we make this something where people can continually come back to it and mm. kind of work on it Excellent. yeah there's i mean there's I mean, on the one hand you know the challenge is that you kind of foresee that the city or all, all places are going to need you know an army of amateur service designers mm-hmm. yeah you know as more services get pushed out into communities mm. if you know the current you know, political and economic, economic climate continues as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the challenge is around how do you address that? So I, I guess, you know, part of it is you see Sheffield Design School as being an umbrella, um, you know, organisation or network yeah. that can start to address that and start mm-hmm. to bring more people in. Um, and of course, if you do it as a meetup, then you're really attracting service designers. You're basically getting the service yeah. design community together yeah. to talk shop and to to share best practice, which is obviously great and yeah. improves our service designers and gives our budding service designers, you know, um, you know, an opportunity to grow and to to meet people with more experience. But it doesn't address the how do we, um, you know, uh, ignite. Um, you know the, this practice across the rest of the population, yeah. um, but the thing that the thing that kind of is is kind of um, tugging at me at the back of my mind is is um, how this connects to um, the work that the council is doing around Dot Chef yeah. and this, the the broader digital coalition. Because um, one of the things that I've been saying, and, and you know, I think I think the whole of Dot Chef really needs kind of a, a, a new impetus. And I've been talking to, to people at the council about doing that um, and making it much, you know, communicating much better about what it is and what it's trying to achieve and, and, and what it's actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of it is about the idea um, that it's it's a it's a, a way of understanding the challenges that are within each of the domains that are part of that .chef framework so that each of those subgroups within those domain groups uh, yes, they're, they're sharing information about what's going on and it's a great opportunity for people to get together and, and catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they share a common interest in, within that domain. Um, 
<clears throat> but it, it, in terms of its proactiveness, um, I, it, I think it needs to be uh, understanding and documenting the challenges that, ex that exist in each of these areas that could be solved through technology or a combination mm -hmm. of technology and, and, and communications and, and, and other um other ways of addressing it and that's a service design problem mm -hmm. like each of those you know understanding those challenges and then um designing responses to those challenges are service design problems so so perhaps there's an opportunity to um to get sheffield design school and dot chef together so that we have an understanding of service design or an active service design workshops in yeah. those domains um where there is and uh, you know uh, an, uh, an established organization or network that can take some of those solutions forward you know yeah. it's then a question of okay you know here are some potential um mitigations or, or ways of addressing these problems and here's a community of digital leaders that represent companies and public sector organizations and universities and mm -hmm. and and all these, these other bodies that as part of a connected community can um can um you know add their resources and their their weight or draw down funding or you know help the, the council deliver or whatever it needs in those circumstances but mm -hmm. there's there's a, there's a framework within which there can be a follow-on from mm -hmm. one-off service design yeah. interventions yeah you see what I mean? and i think that's where i see sheffield design school kind of being that network being that bridge mm. almost being that place where it can get taken the next step mm. so I've been involved in the dot chef stuff, dot mm -hmm. chef stuff, especially around the people kind of yeah. domain, um, and thinking about we've got the Universal Credit Summit um, in right. is it on the twenty eighth end of this month, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of what next? How do we keep momentum with that sort of thing? Where can it go? How can we bring it like a if we can create a network of people that are, are interested in this sort of stuff and generally using design as a way of solving problems? Like where can that go? What does what does that look like if it does get thrown into Sheffield Design School? Mm. Um, the other, um, another kind of link to that in a similar sort of sort of problem what I'm seeing is so date, Sheffield Data for Good, the meetup, mm. um, has had an incredible journey over the last 12 months from kind of getting people together and kind of just going, what what could we do? Homelessness was a, a an, an area that they wanted to focus on. Um, towards the end of last year, we hooked up and, and we kind of partnered with Roundabout Mm -hmm. Sheffield, we were able to then do so. Tom French and Lauren Quinn from Good Things Foundation kind of ran a, a, a data hack, kind of deep dive data hack um, two weekends ago, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been able to get some real insight and real kind of um, hard figures, real stuff, yeah, out of out of some data that is yeah. is within an organisation. And they've not had, they've got some some data kind of, they've got uh, Amy at. at roundabout is is kind of their data um admin kind of person there mm -hmm. um but she's been able to kind of open this up and get this whole army of people that have gone in a day and just gone taking her from where she is a huge stride forward not wow. just a few steps you know what i mean a huge yeah. stride and that has shown a load of insight and then it's kind of like where do we go with that now and when data for good um set up we were kind of seeing it as going where data for good is about defining the problem mm. do you know what i mean kind mm -hmm. of asking the right questions or better questions mm -hmm. at the beginning. And then we knew that there's a whole scene of kind of um, tech for good kind of meetups and, and groups out there. Could this be where we throw it? Mm -hmm. And I think the problem is the gap, yeah. the bridge between those two. It's kind of, so I'm saying to the guys at Data for Good and, and to Roundabout, right, what can we do? Can we do an event now where we bring people together? We want to go. So these are the right questions. Yes. So how do we solve it? What can yeah. we go out and test and try and, and kind of bring that army together? Before taking it to the tech, to then go right, to then implement. If the solution is a tech solution, then yeah, yeah. Be, do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. about kind of making sure that these things, these incredible initiatives, this has a platform to actually progress and become more meaningful and, and result in in genuine change. Because I think, um, again, going back to the idea that service design is around, around facilitation, yeah. it's kind of about that and kind of making things. And we, as service designers, we have a, um, a real privilege that we we get to take a problem and we have the permission to go and just try something out and fail. We like to not call it fail. We like to call it learning, but do you know what I mean? We're, we're much more happy to go out mm. try something and go, that didn't work, but everything we did and we learned and we understood pointed in that direction, but you never know if that's the right answer until you try it. Do you know what I mean? And that kind of process of prototyping, testing really quick and rapid and, and kind of not knowing and not, 
starting with a, a, a perception of what the solution is. So again, digital seems to be the um, where a lot of people start with these things at the moment. Hmm. They go, there's a digital solution here, so we just need to work back and kind of do the services and to, to tell to us verify. the answer that we already yeah, know sort yeah. of thing. Um, so for me, having been embedded in the digital industry for, for like I say, 10, 12 years now, um, the thing that I'm finding really liberating is this, is, is knowing that it doesn't have to be. Uh, and a lot of the things we do around uh, with Good Things Foundation and we're a digital inclusion charity, um, we always talk about digital not being the solution. It's the enabler mm-hmm. to this. We talk about it's digital social inclusion mm-hmm. is what we're doing and, and digital can play a role in that, but it's not the end solution. It's about kind of making sure that we can we can bring all these things together and kind of facilitate and kind of turn it into something that actually results in real change. Our time is up. However, I have one very quick question. Go for it. Briefly, um, is Sheffield about to be, or is it already, the service design capital of the country? It shouldn't be the Shef- uh, service we, design capital of the world. Uh, well, we, it, seems, <laughs> it seems to have uh, with lots of like FutureGov and uh, the Home yeah, Office, yeah. Digital and Good Things and a couple of other places that I can't quite name right now. Seems like there is. it's become a bit of a thing in Sheffield. Is there a scene? Um, I think there is, but I think it's quite hidden at the moment. And I think it's hidden within those organisations. And again, it's hidden within people with those job titles, if that makes sense. So yeah. the idea of the first steps of this is how can we bring people together and kind of expose that and understand what that scene looks like. I wouldn't say that Sheffield is the design capital of the country. Um, you've obviously got London, which is... Do I have um, to retract that? <laughs> Plus, I, no. I think it's a sign of what's happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But um, in the north, Leeds mm. has got a really strong scene, Liverpool, Manchester, Derby. So there's a lot mm. kind of go out there. I mean, it's, I think it's about kind of just really raising that profile. Yeah, quite, quite a few of our, of our good, you know, well-known service designers here in Sheffield are working in Leeds for NHS Digital yeah. or they've been working in Manchester for co-op, co-op yeah, and, yeah. you know, um, and now I, you know, I know a few of them are back here working for yeah. Ministry of Justice and, you know, yeah, DWP, uh, DWP, and, yeah. yeah, yeah so some of the more GovTech on the GovTech side mm-hmm. and I think local authorities increasingly are turning to service design more and more, including yeah. here. Um, but it's happening everywhere. But mm. that's not to say that Sheffield doesn't have a really strong narrative because some of our service designers have been involved in it for a, for a long time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, we both remember when GDS started up or Alpha, even before it was called GDS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the kind of the way that the whole discipline has evolved. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you, Tim. Thanks for thank you. Thank thanks you for, for all of that. And good luck with the Sheffield Design School. Is there anything you want people to do? With that? Um, so uh, you can go to the website and just register an interest and in what I basically do is just get in touch with people as they as they register an interest been talking to people meeting people for coffee kind of talking this through trying to get a get an understanding of who's there um i'll be promoting the global service jam next week so getting people to kind of sign up to that and kind of get an interest in there um and yeah it, just if you're interested get in touch because like i say this is a start of a journey for me and, and taking that design process of going i've kind of got an idea i've kind of got a, a belief that there's there's some value in this but i've it's very much about going on that exploration and, and trying things and testing to see if it works or not and, and kind of working out what it does. So, yeah. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. We watch with interest. <laughs> Cheers, Tim. Okay, we're on to news, updates, and that type of thing. Uh, we start with, um, with, the, with the news that we have some new team members at Sheffield Digital which is exciting because we said we were going to do that in, in uh, last summer at the it's ATM. It's beyond exciting, Ian. It's just <laughs> phenomenal. Did I sound not excited enough? <laughs> you did. <laughs> Sorry. More I am excited, though. I am. More excitement. Yeah, so um, for those of our listeners who were at the annual general meetup last summer, mm. uh, in the presentation that Chris and I gave, one of the things that we talked about is trying to build the basic income that was coming into Sheffield Digital so that we could start to afford to pay people to do some of the tasks that are required to keep Sheffield Digital running. And I'm really pleased to say that with the support of companies and individuals signing up as members and sponsors and partners coming on board, that gave us the confidence at the end of last year to beef up the amount of paid for support that we're using. So you're all very familiar with the lovely Ian, who is our content manager, but we now have um, another content provider 
a lady called Claire Fletcher, who is um, also doing freelance work, writing blog posts, doing company profiles and that kind of thing. Mm. And most recently, we've also got another lovely lady called Sarah Lister, who is taking on a lot of the administration work on a freelance basis. And that's the kind of thing that Ian and Chris and I have been doing in our so-called spare time, aka the middle of the night. Um, And it just means that we hope all of our membership processes will run more smoothly, inquiries will be answered more quickly, um, Slack will be buzzing with conversations and so on. So a warm welcome to both Claire and Sarah. And I'm sure you can say hi to them on Slack. Mm -hmm. You may come into contact with them in in other ways. But um, we're really pleased that we're able to do this because it's starting the path of putting Sheffield Digital on a sustainable footing. And now my job is just to make sure that the money keeps coming in so that we can grow even more and maybe one day even have proper employees. But that's in the future. But but that's where we're at with team members. And and it's important to say that 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 the bits about freeing your time up, especially that's I say that like everyone else is in the room, Chris and Mel, your time. Um, that's the really important thing because you are the people who are out there, you know, talking to the council, talking to the lab, talking mm-hmm. to all the companies, and and doing the connecting, promoting, and representing. So um, yeah, if we can, yeah, the, three more... can take the rest off you, then you guys can go and do the business. <laughs> yeah, literally. And... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we should probably stress that, you know, that doesn't mean that we've made it by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no, you know, long, we, we long way to, to go yet, folks. We need we need more people to sign up and support what we do. Yeah. and But hopefully, you know, everyone will see more out of it as well, um, you know, including the few things that I'm going to be talking about in a sec. Yep. Great. Um, um, Mel, you went to Collider. Yes. So, well, Chris and I both went to Collider. Oh, Chris, Chris, you also went to Collider. We did, yeah. So um, we can't quite announce what that is for yet, mm. um, but we will shortly. And that was, we had sort of a quick tour um, and got a quick sight of things. But then I got to go back at the end of the week oh, yeah. to take Katie and Johnny from Field Design ah to have a proper look round because the hope is that we'll be able to run the first Sheffield Design Festival. Sheffield let me get this right <laughs> Sheffield Digital Design Festival in Collider sometime in the spring and I'm really thrilled to say that Collider have come on board and said that they will provide the venue so now we're at the stage of pinning down dates and that kind of thing so mm-hmm. watch this space more to be announced shortly so Sheffield Digital Design Festival that's uh, where's where's is there other any commas in that or any uh, yeah, Sheffield comma Digital Design Festival. Yes, it's it's digital, not, not our festival. No, so that's the, what I this is the thing. You remember we had Johnny Briggs on I the do. podcast before mm. Christmas. Yeah, yep, <laughs> you were. So well, I'm just so gentle, listeners. If you recall, <laughs> and if you don't, go back and listen again. Um, Solipsism. Johnny Johnny Briggs from um, Field Design came in and told us about his plans for that, and it's very much being led by the team at Field, but Sheffield Digital, the organisation, are supporting it. Yeah. It will have its own name, so it won't be called the yeah. Sheffield Digital. Digital Design Festival. And again, that is to be announced. Um, but while we were there, uh, the new lead on marketing for Collider, who's a lady called Katie Taylor, gave us the proper floor to ceiling tour. So we got shown all the way around the building and told all of Everything what was going, going on. Um, that, there's more than what Nick has uh, more than the More than the sort of hand waving yes. <laughs> uh, high level picture we got from Nick. Um <laughs> I've written the stuff up in a blog post, which will be published shortly. Ian is nodding at me, which is great. Um, But what I can say is the ground floor communal area, which is being called commune with a K, Mm -hmm. see what they did there, um, is going to be really amazing. There's going to be room for 300 people. The pizza oven is in. Um, There are all these little... Uh, sort of kitchen and brewery units. There's going to be some retail in there as well. It's, they've done an amazing job of the space. It's going to be really something. And then on the first floor, half of which is already the um, National Video Games Museum, the other half of that floor is going to be event space. So they've got one large main event area, which is um, 
I think it's got enough room for f about 450 people. I think it's 6,000 square feet. And it's basically a big concrete box mm. that you can do all kinds of cool stuff in. It's petitionable there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there are two other smaller areas, which are about 1,000 square foot each, which you can either use on their own or use as breakout space. So we're finally going to have that city centre venue for conferences, for events, for parties, for all that kind of thing. That's really exciting. We've got to see the the, the in-between floors, but those have, are going to be the last to come on stream. But up on the top floor is where the incubator, Collider Incubator, is going to be. They're going to have 80 co-working desks, eight uh, small, like four to six person offices and then a range of other offices for sort of six to 20 people. And that's all going to be supported by the Barclays Eagle Lab, who are the incubation partners. And they've, the people who are already involved in the Collider Incubator, so the people who are operating out of Barker's Pool House at the moment, they've got sort of first dibs on whether they want to go into that space, but it's going to be opened up generally for applications at the end of next week. So if you're at the stage where you've got your business idea, you want somewhere to go and be and be involved in incubation and be involved in a community, then you should have a look at that. You should get in touch with Collider because it may be that you can apply and get yourself in there. What kind of businesses, products, you have to make a product or an app or a service? No, nope, it's... have clients, that type of thing? It seems pretty broad. Uh, I'm not the expert in this, so you, there'll be details in the blog post of who to contact to find mm. out more. Well, I think they have, is it nine now, centres of excellence? Um, so the, the incubator is looking for companies within those nine sort areas. of verticals. Yeah. Um, but, you know, last time I spoke, spoke to Adrian about it um, was just before Christmas, and I'm not sure if all of those are going to remain. Mm. Um, but certainly very successful ones. Well. It did feel fairly fluid to me when I was talking to them on Friday. Um, so I would probably say, don't rule yourself out. No. Get in touch and ask the question because they're just really interested in finding good, you know, businesses yeah. with interesting potential that at one stage might become investable as well. Sounds fantastic, especially the pizza oven. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have um, some new companies arriving in Sheffield. Mm -hmm. uh, there are four on this list. One of those isn't new. Okay, sorry about that. I, I just kind of what I've noticed is just since the beginning of the year, there's been this kind of little mini explosion of quite large organisations coming and setting up in the city as well. Yeah. We've seen an absolute sort of, I can't even think of the word, I'm waving my hands, a, a flood, <laughs> a flood, a swarm, a tsunami <laughs> of jobs onto the jobs board, Yeah, um, which is great, but also is like, whoa, this is all happening Especially all because the, you know, the, the, the first, I think the first two pages of jobs are highlighted because they're Sheffield Digital they're Sheffield members. Sheffield Digital members and yeah. we love them dearly, <laughs> yes. That's that's great. Yeah. Great so so this is really interesting. Um, Do you want to just go through some of them? Yeah. So there's a company called Sponge who are. Um, I was chatting to the lady from Sponge on the phone in the week, and I said, "Oh, you're an ed tech company," and she said, "What's that?" And I said, "Oh, sorry, that's my shorthand. You're you're a learning technology company, aren't you?" And she said, "Yes, we are." So I thought, note to self, that's not the same as ed tech. <laughs> so they are a learning technology company, and it's. Um, you know, learning platforms for businesses uh, rather than for education. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have to confess, Centara, I don't know what they do. I've just been hearing the name and, and seeing them around. Um, XLN. Uh, XLN have been here a while. been here a while. But they've just you, opened up a new floor in their yeah. offices. So, so I went, went to, to their that, opening, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, so they they do uh, like bun you know uh, utility bundles for small businesses. Right. So you get your broadband and your energy and you know all of these ah. things all bundled into the same thing and at discounted rates, and that is really successful. Um, and they're op they've opened up a new floor. I think that's another 150 people. Um, a good chunk of those are going to be uh, like sales and service staff, but um, they they run and build all of their own internal systems. So mm. they have they have uh, a quite sizable you know software development and web function in there. 
um, and they're going to be employing, uh, beefing that team up as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a really interesting company. Um, would really like to do more with the community as well and get their name out there too. And they've just they built like a nice big common room with a bar and um, like head to head Formula One dr- oh, racing simulator. Um, do they do? Does anyone ever get any work done there? Or are they just like <laughs> kicking back times. and playing games? But do, but do they post their salary on their uh, job advert? <laughs> yes. Well, that's a good question. Um, but you know they they, they want to they, they're interested in in um, having that space used for more than just themselves as well. So there might be opportunities to run some workshops or some meetups. Up meetups, there. excellent. Because I think we're rapidly running out. Maxing of, out. Yeah. Well, we're running out of days in the week to do meetups, let yeah. alone places to hold them. So yeah, there's also another organisation who I only found out about today called Outfit, who are an Australian company, but apparently are opening an office here and are looking for a I think that it's it reads like the the job description or the job title reads like it's a customer service job but when you read the job description it's much more of a project manager team lead for a digital team type job so I went back to them and said please post your job on our jobs board so we'll wait and see if they do that and um and if I get to talk to them then I'll share more as I know it Mm -hmm. um we should say it's uh Sertara not Centara so we just there's a little copy and paste error there I think apologies that's all right and Sertara it looks like they are a US company and based in various other places as well but there is presumably a Sheffield office because um that is there's an one four number so that gives it away. And they are changing the game in drug development and patient access, model-informed drug development. Oh. So there we go. Very cool. Right. And there is a job available for a software engineer on the Sheffield Digital Jobs Board right now. Um, great. All good news so far. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you two have got some meetings lined up with uh, Cedars. Is that a typo as well? Or is that how no, that's that, no, that, that is, is how you spell Cedars. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> Give me a hard time. <laughs> it's like it's 2004 all over again. Cedars, S-E-E-D-R-S at, and, uh, and Zinc. So um, are you both going this time? So Cedars, I think. We're right. both meeting Cedars. Yeah. It's a crowdfunding platform for investment. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I'm meeting someone from the Zinc Accelerator. Yeah. That's a social um, good accelerator. Yeah. It? So again, these are people who are just coming out of the blue and contacting yeah. oh, okay. us and saying, can we come and talk cool. to you about Sheffield? Um, anyone can do that as well, of course, that we should, it's not all. <laughs> Contact like, us. Well, no, but maybe we don't, I think maybe we don't make it clear enough that yes. someone wants to get in touch and say, you know, go for a coffee and, um, and you know, explain what they do and all, all that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, I'm going down to Bristol next week for the next meeting of the Tech Clusters Network, which is all the networks similar to Sheffield Digital from around the country who get together to discuss things, share problems, share solutions. Um, what we do a lot is talk about how we interface and lobby central government. Um, and I think a lot of the discussion in Bristol next week is going to be about how do we talk to central government and particularly number 10 about what the tech industry in the regions needs as opposed to the tech industry in London. I always find the meetings very, very interesting. I always learn a lot. Um, I always feel slightly inferior because a lot of these, the networks that are involved have been around longer than we are and have got um, proper people working in them who are full-time involved in Mm. thinking about how you represent and lobby to Mm. government. So I always try and uh, wave the Sheffield flag, you know, bring the Sheffield perspective in and, and make sure that we're heard. Well, it's interesting, of course, because the, the ones that go to those to those cluster meetings are the ones that can afford to go to those cluster meetings. Yeah. So there are there are organisations like ours around the country, or, you know, many are all funded on different models and, you know, kind of with different focuses and different histories and different people running them. Um, but, you know, there, there's like a, there's a group of, um, quite highly professionalised ones mm. in in other cities, and and we're we're part of that. Um, so we've no no reason to feel inferior. And, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we need to be conscious of the fact that there are there are lots of other organisations like ours that that can't go to those meetings or can't travel around the country that easily. Yeah. 
um, and don't have the same funds and resources that some of the others have got. Mm. Um, so we need to um, we need to take the opportunity to to represent Sheffield. Yeah. But also, I think we need to take the opportunity to represent the value of all of these clusters and cluster organisations to central government yeah, as well. Absolutely. So, um, if you've got thoughts about um, Sheffield related issues that I should be raising at this meeting or questions you'd like me to ask, please let me know. Um, it's The meeting is next Friday. So as long as you contact me before, uh, well, by close of play on Thursday, then I'll be able to take that to the session. That's Friday the 15th. Of Friday February. the 15th. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we talked about... Um uh, Dot Chef early with Tim, who's still here. He's just sitting. <laughs> the guests usually leave. He's, a, he's just sat listening. Face. He was daydreaming. Um, uh, Economy Dot Chef. There is a meeting on Monday. Yes. So there's the next meeting of the Economy Dot Chef group on Monday. Um, so that's, that's you know a group of stakeholders, public, private sector, you know company um, leaders who meet regularly to talk about the digital industries in Sheffield. So it's like an extension of what we do out to a to a, a, ward, a, a wider group of people, mm -hmm. and we encourage our members to come to come along to that. Um, it's chaired by Sam Chapman at the Flow, um, and there's a bunch of things on that agenda. Um, uh, all of um, one of the things that is on the agenda is, as I sort of mentioned earlier, about giving a boost to the dot um, dot chef coalition itself, um, and part of that is. Um, making sure that the website is properly refreshed, um, but all of the kind of meeting agendas and papers and things—they're all published on Trello, um, uh, which need to be properly highlighted and linked from the website. So that's one of the things that we want to work on over the next month or so. Great, uh, a very quick update, but definitely the most important. <laughs> Sheffield, Sheffield Digital is now on Instagram. Woohoo! Uh, we've had we've had pictures from this very. This very event that's happening right now, the podcast um, today, uh, we're just going to use it for sharing stuff like this. So when we're doing stuff and if uh, like Geek Brecky uh, Friday mornings yeah. and just, you know, general out and about Sheffield Digital type uh, images. But perhaps more importantly, we also want to share workspaces and events and, uh, and maybe sort of company profiles or good news from the city so use it as a platform to share other people's stuff yeah do like so send us photos that we can put on instagram especially of workspaces yeah um you know one of the things i haven't mentioned but i i gave a talk to um the comp sci students at uh, at sheffield university yesterday um as part of the institute of coding um and you know there's a lot more that we can do to get young people and students aware of of, um, of the tech industry here. Um, and I think showing off workspaces is a really great way of doing that. It's, it's, you know, there's some beautiful places that people work in, in tech in the city um, and the more photos we've got. And if, I mean, if you send a photo through, you know, we can, we can stamp your, you know, with a, a logo on a transparent background, we can stamp your logo on it. Um, maybe, you know, your logo, our logo and a really nice image of, of the workspace or, you know, um, you know, what it looks like inside some of these, some of these companies, some, um, and then put them out on Instagram. I think that would be really powerful and cool. Yeah. And we'll be down with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Instagram's for old people now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <it's> like, <laughs> we, were, we were down, the, we were down with the kids in 2014. We, we're gradually coming up to now. We'll be on bloody Snapchat next. We've got, um, couple more items. We're about to hit the magic hour mark so we can rifle through these. Uh, Chris, you're working on, this is actually probably deserves much more than a rifle. Yeah, uh, well, we'll probably do a bigger thing on it in yeah. a future podcast. So you're writing a quarterly briefing. And this uh, is yeah, so there's two things that I'm working on at the moment. One is the quarterly briefing, which is um, like a five-minute policy update or, or update on the, the Sheffield tech cluster to policymakers. So it's for, for politicians, policymakers, business leaders, decision makers, um, you know, national, regional, local. Um, but uh, the idea is that we produce it every three months and then it, it, we send it out online and as a, as a physical copy, um, you know, s small run, you know, as a physical copy to um, specific people in government, um, you know, that, that, that lobbying and and just letting people in positions of authority know that there is a tech cluster here in Sheffield um, and, you know, what its shape is and what kinds of things it's doing and what its priorities are um, for the next three months. 
I think this is, um, if, I, if I can just step outside and become like a normal member of the community for a second, not the bloke on the podcast, mm. I think this is the sort of thing that people need to know more about in terms of what Sheffield Digital do. I think this is exactly why when people are deciding whether to spend a fiver a month to support the organisation or not, it's things like this, which aren't that visible necessarily. No. That you are you yeah. know, spending the time to put together a, a document that explains what, what the tech scene is currently like, yep. what it needs to be and how it can be supported by government and then actually giving it to the right people in government. That's, that's quite, right. That's kind of the thing that only Sheffield Digital really is in a position to do. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that. a, a, a slight advert and a side yes. note. I think it's worth. It's, I don't think people know. I think it's worth saying. It's worth saying an hour into a podcast. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what our purpose is, what we yeah. actually actually do. Um, yeah, so there'll be more information about this next week, or you know, there will already be information on the website when this podcast goes goes out as to what that is. But it's also an opportunity, you know, for for companies to get to to, to sponsor that um, that publication as well and get their brand in front of decision makers. Um, but but really, it's it's there as the kind of a, a regular heartbeat of of information um to to make sure that we're on the agenda and that, that people are aware that there's something important going on here um and it should be very useful as well uh, if, if a company does want to um uh, sponsor, sponsor or did that, what do they, who do they contact just straight to you straight to me or you know just come through info at sheffield.digital um okay. th- there'll be a blog blog post describing it in more detail with a proper call to action so great um you'll probably you'll see it there as well and and the other kind of like the sister project to that i guess is the is the um, digital showcase so we did our first showcase uh, last november um and that's an event where you know we we invite local companies and freelancers um to showcase a piece of work that they've delivered or worked on or co- contributed to um, over the last three six months um, in front of an audience, and you know we record that and and get get those messages out as well. Um, so uh, we're looking the the next one is going to be towards the end of March. I haven't got a, a confirmed date yet, um, but again, it will be in conjunction with the platform. It'll be at the workstation. Um, so I'm also putting a call out to any. Uh, I've got a few shortlisted. Um, there's, you know, room for four, possibly five uh, on the on the program. Um, we're going to do the format a little bit differently this time. So it'll probably be more of an interview or a conversation about something so that we can kind of you know, spend some time teasing out and, and, and explaining and understanding what, what the thing is. Or the the product, or the or the the, the campaign, or whatever, whatever the the piece of work is. Um, but companies that want to be part of that, um, you know, get in touch with me again. And again, oh, there'll be a post out about it next week, um, sort of calling out for that. Great! It's time for the upcoming events. So this is all happening over the next uh, two or three weeks. Um, I'm going to include the first one, even though this will probably. Uh, be uh, in the past by now but um, on the 9th of february it's the dark peak data cooperative on the 12th of february it's uh, deaf chef the advent of code that's the sort of subtitle for that it sounds sounds intriguing sounds like christmas it does right, it? um on the 18th is sheffield digital leadership meetup uh, on the 19th is the aws sheffield meetup 20th sheffield data for good we've already mentioned earlier uh 20th is also the uh, Sheffield Women in Tech, Sheffwit uh, Tech Tea. Mel, is that a big meetup or is that a small thing? That's just a get together at Birdhouse um, Tea from 5.30, drop in, drink tea or cocktails if you prefer, eat cake because cake is compulsory. Okay. Um, on the 26th, it's Cyber Republic. On the 27th, it's the G Suite User Group. On the 28th, February, it's Front End Sheffield, uh, round 10. We should do a quick mention of them in a second. Mm. Um, on the 5th of March, it's .NET Chef. On the 7th of March, it's Go Sheffield. On the 9th, we're back to, we've gone back around again. It's the Dark Peak Data Cooperative. So they will get a mention for an event that's actually in the future. That's good. And then uh, Data for Good again on the 9th of March. Um, quick track back to mention Front End Sheffield, very last final piece of news. Uh, the team who organised Front End Sheffield are taking over Front End North which is um, a pretty big deal, really. Yeah, that's great news. And uh, congratulations to them. Yeah, it's fantastic because it means that the conference will keep happening. I think they're they're skipping this year and planning to do one in 2020. But as we know, that will come around faster than yeah. you can possibly imagine. But it's really great that from the small beginnings with the, the team at Make Do, creating Front End North, they've now been able to hand it over to a larger team who can make sure that it grows and, and carries on. Um, so big yay and congrats to everyone for that. Absolutely. 
And uh, and finally, uh, uh, membership updates. So we've had uh, a couple of new uh, company memberships since the last time we spoke together. Uh, Black Eye Project and My HR Toolkit. Big thank you to those two companies. And then on the individuals front, we have Stuart Ritson, Martin Liddermont, John Edgley, Sarah Lister, Jed Fenner, and David Matthewman. And uh, Chris, you put an important note. Would you like to make this point? That was actually me. Was it? Oh, it was you. Sorry, Mel. Sorry. When, when it comes down to the pounds and pennies, it's usually me. Of course, of course. Um, I wanted to say that we've now got 83 individual members on uh, of Sheffield Digital, which is just fantastic. And we really, really appreciate the support. But on the Slack, there are over a thousand people. 1,300. Involved. 1,300 people on Slack, which again is amazing. It's great to see that many people engaging. But what I would like to do is put a call out to all you Slackers out there and say, <laughs> if you're not yet an individual member of Sheffield Digital, please consider it because it's only £5 a month. It's really easy to set up via the website. And that kind of support is what will help us carry on doing all the things that we've been talking about today. And knowing that we've got people signed up on a month-to-month basis really helps us to plan ahead as well, which is another thing that will make us sustainable. So pretty please, £5 a month. It's the price of two bad coffees. The price of two bad coffees. If if you're still listening and you've got this far through the podcast, we must be doing something right. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, that's it. If you want to subscribe to the show, then, um, then, then do it. For crying out loud, uh, go to the, your podcast app of choice, wherever you particularly uh, like to listen, or you can find out more at sheffield.digital slash podcast and um, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, let them know that this exists. And, um, and that would be great. Thanks a lot. We'll speak to you soon. Bye all. Bye.